should be seated. I have the privilege this morning of having uh, a dear friend and his wife with us, Roger and Gail Schmiel. Uh, they work at Legacy Ministries, a ministry that Roger was directed by the Lord to found in Easton, Pennsylvania. Roger, am I right when I say you've been there for, is it 10 years? In the ninth year now, okay. Um, a number of words come to mind when I think of uh, Roger and Gail, and I know that the uh, sacrifice, and they're not all good, <laughs> most of them are very, very positive, uh, but I, I just, my heart fills with gratitude when I think of Roger and Gail. Um, the two words that I want to share with you are these. Uh, one is sacrifice, uh, which is certainly something that uh, Roger and Gail have done for the last nine years in eastern Pennsylvania. They didn't go there because there they would find a good lifestyle. They went there because there was a mission field there. And they freely sacrificed themselves uh, for the sake of that ministry and for the sake of the people that live in eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, Let's be honest. Most of us know what we know about eastern Pennsylvania from the newspaper. And the deeper truth is probably that most of us avoid even going there. And this is a couple that God has led to go there to serve and to minister. And God has put on our heart as a church to assist them in fulfilling that calling. One of the things that it also requires to serve in that kind of context is the second word that I want to share with you, and that is the word faithfulness. It's fascinating to me that what God requires of us, of Servants is one thing, faithfulness. Why? Because he has already given us perfection through Jesus Christ. So he doesn't lay on us the burden of of gaining righteousness. He gives us that as a gift. We have that. And what Paul later says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, which we'll come to in a few weeks, he says it is required of stewards, of people given responsibility, that they be found faithful. Faithful. You know something? None of us can be perfect, but all of us can choose to be faithful to God. And when we fall down, we get back up and say, God, I'm going to keep going forward for you in the plan and calling that you have given in my life. And Roger and Gail, I want to say this in front of our church family, that I, because of what I know of what you both do and give, uh, I want to say thank you. Okay, I want to say thank you for the example that both of you are to us. Uh, Gail, I know that he doesn't do this alone. All right, he's the kind of the face of Legacy Ministries, but I know that he doesn't do it alone. I know I don't do what I do alone. So uh, to both of you, we want to welcome Roger Yu as our speaker this morning. I want you to come and share the Word of God with us, and we want to give you a warm welcome as you come. Thank you. Turn Roger on before he speaks. I am now lighted up. Good morning. How are you? It was funny. I just. We need to let the children be dismissed. Oh, see you, kids. You're going to a far better place. Oh. It's funny. Last night, uh, Gail was not feeling very well, and I thought, I'm going to be coming here by myself. And I felt an emptiness because wherever I've been, we've been together as far as ministry is concerned. So you're right, uh, Tim. 
there was a, a sense of, man, I, I'm going to be less of what I can be if she's not with us. And the Lord really healed her up last night, gave her a good night's rest, and so we're here together. And uh, I covered her prayers, her friendship. We've been married for over 40 years now. And uh, we've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, came out the other side, saved. God, God is good. Talking. Then we're, you know, got a beautiful family and we're just blessed. Thank you for having us here this morning. It's, a, it's always a delight to be here with you guys. We love you. And from the bottom of my personal heart, Gail's heart, and Legacy Ministries' heart, I don't know what we'd do without you. It is true that Easton has become a very difficult place to be. And um, I was just thinking about how nine years ago we went over there, and, and you know when you start a ministry you can see something. God never just tells you to go someplace without giving you just a little bit of vision. You know, he told Abraham he'd be the father of a mighty nation. You know, he told Moses that he would take care of the nation of Israel. He gave them he, a picture. And we went there, we saw the convicts, we saw the prostitutes, we saw the drug addicts, we saw the alcoholics, we saw the unchurched, we saw the hard-nosed people, and we said, this is great. This is who we're supposed There's plenty of them around. We should be able to get a half a dozen. And we always felt confident that as we went into the prisons, as we worked the streets, as we preached the gospel on the center square, as we did the things that God anointed us to do, and we saw the souls getting saved, and we realized, you know, God really is a powerful God. We bought a house. We put men from prison into that house for seven years. Saw many of them come and go. Some changed, not all. Some really blessed, not all. And then, about a year ago or so, all of this go, 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 see something brand new, constantly seeing victory, people getting saved, overcoming the adversity of life, things started to slow down, spiritually speaking. It felt like the favor of the Lord had been removed. We hadn't changed what we were doing. It just felt like the favor was being removed. We had to sell the house that was called Nico's house. We had to give it up because the men that were in there were treating it so poorly and so disrespectful to our Lord and our Savior Jesus that I had to close it down because I couldn't control the situation. That's not something a guy like me really likes because I'll look you right in your nose, right in your eyes and tell you where things stand. But these guys were just rebellious as all get out. We had to sell that place. We saw a couple of other things not working out the way we expected them to. We were doing the same things. We were praising God. We were holding church services. We were doing youth outreach. We were doing all these other things. And then about two months ago, I had to shut down the youth drop-in center for a month because we're taking away knives. We're taking away billy clubs. We're taking away all these things at the door. And people are just being atrociously reckless with their lives. Fist fights, cell phones, the Bloods, the Crips, the Latin Kings standing outside when the kids are dismissed because somebody in there was part of that group or that group and somebody ticked somebody off. You can only fight so many people. And so we shut that down for a month. And we had to regroup. But I'm here to give you praise to the Lord. Because God has 
never taken away his calling. He says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You live it. Live it. Live it. No matter what the circumstances look like, you live it. Sometimes the church looks rather impotent. But the church is not. We have an almighty Savior and Lord. Sometimes the people of the church look as if they're not going to do or able to finish the race. But God makes you finish the race. He gives you a fresh wind. He gives you a fresh fire. He uh, re-establishes the vision. He says, here's the new things that we're going to do. But before I get there, I need to speak to you about some things. Just in Matthew 10, verse uh, 6, it says, And your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to just think about that verse. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is something going on in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. What we want to see is what's going on up there, down here. And we want to see it soon. This past year has caused the people of Legacy Ministries to take a fresh look at Scripture. That's always a good thing. It seemed that what we knew was not sufficient to the task that we were faced with in Easton. Easton has become a dumping ground for all sorts of violent gang members, drug dealers, and users that like to intimidate normal folks like you and I. They run in groups that are far more menacing uh, than you can imagine to the average person. They defy the authority of the police. They scoff at the idea of Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior. And most, if not all, the recent murders Stabbings, executions, and beatings have all occurred within two blocks of where Legacy Ministry sits. We know these people, and they know us. And all these things have revealed the need for a bigger God presence in Easton. This is not a time to give up. This is not the time to say, those people don't deserve Jesus. It's not a time to stand there and turn your back and implode and put up bars on your windows of the church. It's a time to put glass doors on the church. It's a time to open the windows. It's a time to continue to reach out and realize that each and every person that we're talking about today, these thugs, these hard-nosed kids, are loved by somebody. And his name is Jesus. You want to talk about ministry. Now the picture's getting even bigger. These are really bad guys. They haven't even hit the jails yet. They haven't been caught. These are bad guys. And they need to know a good God. And that's what the church does. It reveals a good God to bad people. To sinners like us, saved by grace through faith. Any one of us left to our own devices without righteousness over, overrunning our life, without the divine interference of God, would wind up just like them. 
I did for many years. While they, they cause me fear naturally, and they cause many who come to the ministry fear naturally, we have this, I don't know what it is, boldness? <laughs> what can I tell you? It's like, go ahead and do what you got to do. One day, you're going to change. And so we continue to reach out and bless these folks, all right? We've been on the forefront of Christian activity among these groups of people. And uh, we actively seek interaction. We, inter- inter- we look for conversation. We look for relationship building opportunities that any- with any of them that has an ear to listen. Many of them don't. I don't know about you, but I don't like being dissed. I don't like being ridiculed. I don't like being humiliated. I don't like picking up diapers with urine and poop in it. Because the kids just throw the stuff on the, on the asphalt. I don't like giving them cold drinks in these five-gallon cans while they're playing basketball and come find that thing sitting in a garbage can all broken up and debris all over the basketball court. I don't like while they're sitting there going over and picking up those paper cups, pulling that thing out of the garbage can and taking it back and repairing it. I don't like that. But that's what God wants me to do. So that they can see something that they can't hear. Somehow, you have to preach the gospel every day. And as St. Francis says, use words whenever necessary. And so we look at these people, we say, is it time for our hearts to get hard? Is it time for us to close that church down like somebody else did? That's how we got the building. Or is it time to say, we need a bigger God in Easton? What's your answer? There's only one I know of. We need a bigger God in Easton. We covet your prayers for safety, for protection, yes. But that the gospel, this good news about Jesus, would actually go beyond the doors. Out of a brick building, past a concrete sidewalk, out onto an asphalt street, across a concrete walk, onto an asphalt basketball court. We need that gospel to get there. Somehow, some way. And if it takes doing those things to get the respect and make people think about Jesus as being a loving, an unconditionally loving Savior, then the church must jump at the opportunity and rally around that opportunity. So we bring food and we bring cold drinks while they're gathering in Centennial Park across the street. We offer a sanctuary for the ones that are in trouble. Listen, there's a lot of kids that are scared running those streets. And every once in a while they need to come and need a safe place to stay. I can't tell you how many people have slept on the couch outside of my office. I can't tell you how many people pounded on the doors when I was there and I let them in and saw many people running down the street after this kid happens weekly so we offer various acts of kindness yet their hearts are so angry that it seems impossible to break through even though they recognize our concern see in the natural we can do things I can give you a hug and tell you I love you 
If you're hungry, I can give you some food and you'll say thank you and you'll get hungry again. You can be thirsty and I'll give you a glass of water, but you'll get thirsty again. This is what happens. And they don't know that the motivation for this loving kindness is Jesus. Not yet. They've refused to hear it. We've said it. But they've refused to hear it. And so, as I see them recognizing our concern, as I see gang members saying, we thank you. Thank you for respecting us. We'll respect you. That's not love. That's not gospel proclamation. For what does light and darkness have with each other? What does water and oil have with each other? Nothing. We cannot just naturally gain an interest in these young people and they can't naturally gain, gain an interest in the church of Christ without light revealing truth in darkness. Until the gospel is preached and shown diligently enough, frequently enough, faithfully enough that they would begin to see that their way of life is not as fulfilling or as daring or as exciting and rewarding as they think it is. We need a bigger God in Easton. I wondered as I looked at all of this over this past year, could this be the refiner's fire? Or is wickedness just as wicked? Is the task that the Lord sent Gail and I and others to Easton to accomplish, is it impossible to accomplish? Could it be that God is pressing us forward into a different understanding of ministry? A deeper understanding of His Word? A more vibrant demonstration of the glory of God? Of His holiness and His purity in the midst of sin and violence? And anger. I thought about the book of Second Corinthians. You can turn there if you care to. Um, chapter four. This is a pretty dynamite chapter. But uh, I, I was going to read from verses sixteen to eighteen uh, in Second Corinthians, chapter four, and. As I, as I thought about all of these things, um, I guess you have to transition somehow. You have to go from wondering whether God is really doing something, whether we don't know what God has told us to do, whether things have changed and are so bad that we really need to duck and get out, or whether we should stand and fight. And then... I read verses 16 through 18 the other day, and it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Oh, praise God. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Praise God, man. My version of that is, though we are outwardly wasting away, these momentary troubles are achieving 
and eternal glory for us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. I had a dream the other day and I was actually confronting two gang members in this dream. They were wearing blue and white colors. And as I would approach them, they would run away and they had this hideous laugh. And I'd chase them, get them in a corner, they'd run away. What I gleaned from that was that I was watching the wrong thing. That I was looking at the problem, but I wasn't looking at the solution. And so we, since I couldn't get it consciously, I believe the Lord showed me something in a dream. That what I had to do was get my eyes back where Jesus is. Back where the Spirit of God was leading. Back into the Word of God and stop looking at what is so horrible. What seems to be so uncontrollable. That's outwitting me and outmaneuvering me at every, every leg of the journey for the past year, year and a half. And rely more deeply on what is eternal. For His kingdom come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. His principles, His love, His mercy, His forgiveness, His power and might have not changed one bit. And what goes on in heaven is what we are praying to happen on earth. Well, naturally we say, but not naturally. If you're anything like me, I thought about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that one day I might see the difference between what's going on on earth and what's going on in heaven when He comes to bring me home. I had it backwards. There is a way to see what's going on in heaven and seeing it on this earth. I'll get to that in a minute. Keep that thought. This is beautiful and precious. So two months ago, changing strides, I went to a uh, seminar in Baltimore. A man named John Melinda from Uganda had a team there. He was a pastor who at one time, as the Lord opened up doors in Uganda for the church to make progress, was a man that in the end had to go drink water in front of the president of that country and the generals of the army and in front of other pastors the Lord told him to drink water out of a poisoned pool which was on a high place he did it and he lived saw a miraculous thing how did he get to that place this was the message he was bringing to 80 pastors 79 of them were from Baltimore I went from Easton there was something that this man had to say that made such a huge impact on my life that I have to share it with you today. I began to see the Scriptures fresh and new. I began to assimilate the power of the Almighty in a very real-time, day-to-day basis and way. And so, John was our primary guest speaker He's a pastor and a man of great faith. And he started to reveal a story to us about a small group of people in Uganda which for the longest time was 
held terrorized by a liberation army. According to John, the man who led that was really demon-possessed. We wrestle with things, right? Where? Flesh and blood? No. In the spiritual realm. I'll get to that. They couldn't corner this guy. They couldn't ensnare this army that was terrorizing the people, making fools of the government. And a small band of people got together and began to pray. Intercessor prayer. Prayer warriors began to cry out in desperation to God saying, you cannot let this go on forever. They are coming into our villages, <clears throat> taking our daughters and turning them into prostitutes. They're taking our sons and they're teaching them how to kill. And they would send their own children back into the villages to kill their own parents. This was vicious. This was a work of someone greater than you and I could ever imagine. If you don't believe that hell is real and Satan is real, you're wrong. He had ownership of this guy. And he outsmarted everybody, outthought everybody. And he cried out in desperation. They asked for his divine interference and protection because of what these rebel leaders were doing. And then a few things began to change. You know how it is. You, know, you push real hard on, a, on something and it starts rolling and everybody gets behind you once it starts rolling. So all the other people started coming over, started praying and doing these other things. And suddenly, more and more wondrous things were happening. There was a sense of empowerment and safety within the people of the church. They suddenly knew that they had broken through. They didn't have to be innocent bystanders to the wickedness, to the wickedness of evil in their land. How many of us can honestly say that we've really adapted an attack mode style as Christians against evil, against drugs, against violence we haven't this little community by the way is started with women i'm sorry tim always starts with the girls i love you you're all beautiful somehow you're more sensitive to what god wants than the guys are I thank you for that please don't ever change because it takes a while for the pastors to catch up we do other things really well ride motorcycles play golf yeah, we've got to prepare a sermon every once in a while. You know how it is. We've got important things to do. You guys got to keep praying. Pray for us. Pray that the Lord's will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. A small group of believers now praying, now more praying. And suddenly, they realize, as God began to reveal Himself to the leaders, that they were fighting a spiritual battle. Not a battle of flesh. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, and listen to this, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Don't forget that. I don't know about you, I've kind of white marched that thing out of there. You know, like, what, what do you call that? You, we used to do on the paper, if we type white out, right? Because I always thought it was about spiritual forces and evil, of evil in the heavenly realms. That's how I, I would speed read that. <laughs> because of, of preconceptions. 
But there are things established in this world that are absolutely wicked and destructive by nature and are empowered by those in the spiritual realm to do things that I'm describing that are happening in Easton today and are happening in Washington, New Jersey today are happening at the regional high school today. And we're told to keep church and state separate. Might I just do an un-PC thing? God has a state. And you are a citizen of it. And He doesn't separate church and state. He brings it together. And when the church finally gets that idea that they can be strong in the Lord, that in our weakness His strength will be revealed, that in our own laziness his strength will come forth in our inability when we get numb and can't deal with all the issues that are in this world that his wisdom will come and manifest itself in each and every one of us that we could bring christ into our community after a long struggle the disciples of christ in uganda had a huge victory and the rebel leader was, that was demon-possessed was defeated by the government army. And that government army was led by men filled with the Spirit of God. The church regained its fervor and its value among the people. And today Christians are in high places of authority and they are greatly respected in their community. But the victory was gained by prayerfully seeking the presence of God and submitting to his leadership. One of the things that Pastor Melende said was that evil functions where holiness is not evident. Holiness. My God is holy. What do you mean holiness isn't evident? I was in rebellion against this guy the minute he said that. The church is holy. We got a holy God. We got the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Word. How can holy not be evident? Evil functions where holiness is not evident. We were all excited by the good news. And then he addressed the Church of America in such a way. If evil functions in the absence of holiness, then what does that say about the Christian church in America? The light bulb turned on. As much as I wanted to say, no, you're wrong, Pastor Melinda, I could not say that because I knew it to be true. And over the next three days, the Spirit of the Lord gave us personal insight about, the, about some very important things. And let me say this to you. How much time? I got till 12? Let me do this quickly. When you look into your life, this is what he shared with us. What's the margin of error for your sinfulness? How much have you justified and rationalized? In other words, if you, evil can function in your heart as a Christian because you just don't want to deal with it with holiness, listen to this, then your family runs under the same rules and regulations, your church runs under the same rules and regulations, then what do you think the community is going to do? We are a holy people called by God to reveal Him and bring glory to the name of Christ on this earth 
and to manifest His glory in heaven in the spiritual realms. That's what the church is here for. This is the reading of Scripture. This is finally coming to that place where you can no longer justify what little sin you have sitting in your heart and saying, well, that's still respectable. I can still hold my position in the church. Forgive me if I start preaching. My people listen to this every day. When I allow evil to exist in my life, it's because of the vacancy or the absence of holiness. We must deal with ourselves personally about such issues. We must deal with our family issues that way. And we must deal with our church corporate issues that way. If evil is running rampant and it's visible, find out where the holiness went. That means find out where Jesus is and what He means to you personally. And this is what He was teaching us. Man, I sat on the floor of that church where this man spoke with no lie for three hours on Tuesday after hearing this message and I just wept. The carpet was soaking wet because I knew that I play this game. What's respectable? Well, it's no wonder those kids are running rampant out in the street. The church isn't doing a doggone thing to bring holiness out there. All we're doing is saying, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And we're giving them nothing in return. We're not showing the joy of the celebratory life of being in Christ. We're demanding them to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves, and we call ourselves Christian. Part of the body of Christ. Disciples of the mighty Lord Jesus. And we show the world more of the world than we show them of God. So these are the things that we have been moved to do. Our prayer must be, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that begins with my personal repentance. That begins with a church that has new and fresh will to overcome that which has overcome us. Secondly, that we must recognize that we are rightly connected to God. Please, if you are born again, you are rightly connected to God. And I'll tell you, I'm going to read two scripture verses to you that should blow your mind right now. And these are ones that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, verse 3. He says that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He can't see it unless he's born again. That's why the God of this world has blinded the unbeliever in this world. They can't see the kingdom of heaven. Well, who can? The righteous who have been brought into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you are born again, you see the kingdom of God. And, verse 5, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to be born into this life, and then you have to be born by the Spirit into the next. And if you call yourself a born-again believer, like I do, like the people at Legacy Ministries do, then you can see the kingdom of God and you can enter into the kingdom of God right now. Because who testifies to us about what's going on in heaven? The Holy Spirit testifies of that truth that's in heaven to our hearts that we might what? Manifest the glory of God on this earth. He says also in John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. 
That's a today, right now verse, not an end times verse. Three, we must be ready to stand firmly for the sake of Christ and to ensure the presence of His holiness in our community. Ephesians 6 would tell us to stand firm in the face of evil, to speak truth, to be righteous, and share the gospel of peace. And finally, we must make disciples that can be workmen approved and trustworthy, as Timothy was to Paul. He said to be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Everyone may see your progress. Your progress, Timothy. Timothy. Roger. Gail. Ken. Fran. Be diligent. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is from the Word of God. This is how we need to live as a church. What Legacy Ministries is doing are the things that we've always been doing, but now we have 35 people on an intercessory prayer team that pray constantly around the clock. Why? Because it doesn't matter how I preach the gospel. It doesn't matter if those people like me or hate me. It matters that God has softened the territory with bombardment from the sky, from the Lord, His grace and mercy, His favor flowing out. And who's going to get that for us? Some renegade preacher? Not on your life. The Holy Spirit convicts and convinces. And we need our prayer warriors to go ahead of us and do this work. We will continue to feed and to clothe and to care for and work our youth ministries, and we'll get on that street, and I promise you we won't back up. But we need you to be in prayer for us. I want you to know that the Lord has sent us resources. We have four ministers at Legacy Ministries today. We have a man named Thurston Gill. Listen, he's a black Pentecostal preacher. He runs a service on Sunday night at 6. They got myself and Les Paul doing Legacy Ministries. We have Aloy Mendoza doing a Spanish church at 1.30 on Sundays. And somehow we continue to minister together with no jealousy. Is that a kick? I had, had breakfast with Thurston. You know, Mike, can I talk to you just for a minute? This is so good stuff. So we had, <coughs> excuse me, Thurston and I had breakfast Friday. And, and he says to me, because we've really only started ministering, I like guess, maybe three months. And he says, is it okay? Some of the people from your church came Sunday night. I said, is it okay? I said, I couldn't get them out on Sunday night. You're doing a great job. So get them out. If they can hear your voice, Thurston, and they can't hear mine, if you, because of the gifting package that God has given to you, can mend their broken hearts, if you can deal with their life's issues and give them hope, then what is wrong with what, what you're doing? He says, nothing. I said, I don't see any, anything wrong with it. I said, if you break Scripture or you lead them in the wrong way, you and I are going to have a talking. But as long as you love the Lord and love these people, then I don't care if you had everybody from Legacy Ministries come to your ministry. I'd go out and start another one because then my job was done. It's, I've been replaced. He says, you're crazy. I said, yep. Crazy like God. 
We're supposed to make disciples and send them out, aren't we? Isn't that what's supposed to happen? And so God has brought four ministers together that can honestly minister side by side in peace, exercising their gifts. And you know what? That's too many people in that little ministry. Unless God has a victory prepared for us. And I believe he does. And that's the hope I want to give you. This is tough ministry. I love it. I'm made for this kind of stuff. I don't care. I'll stand there and I mean, I'll just spit right in the eye. But we need God to, to soften the way, to prepare the hearts so that we can declare the righteousness of Christ in a way that would bring glory to him. Help us do that. Keep praying for us. Keep loving us, will you? Because, man, it's awful lonely sometimes. And when I, I see your faces those days and it's scary out there, I see you guys. And we can stand because of you. And don't you ever forget it. All right? We need you really bad. So we love you. Thanks. Thanks for letting me come today. Amen. All right, let's let's just bow our heads and pray uh, for the ministry in Easton.